Uh, my name is Chris Dormos, and I'm the CEO of E3 Lithium. E3 is a lithium development company focused on one of the largest uh, Canadian resources located in Alberta. Uh, we are just uh, going through our pilot right now, demonstrating direct extraction processing for this massive opportunity in Alberta to grow resources and grow production for lithium, creating a lithium jurisdiction here locally in the province. Chris, good to see you. Welcome to London. Yeah, thanks. First time with you in London. It's the first time with me. Yeah, we've never met so yeah. after, all the, after all these years. Yeah. Uh, and apologies for the weather, of course. Yeah, goes well, as saying. you do in London. <laughs> right. Um, you're here as part of a kind of Canadian contingency doing what? Yeah, there's a Canadian symposium going on right. uh, this week here, it's sort of in conjunction with the LME week that's happening and there's a benchmark week. So busy week here in London for Canadian mineral or mineral companies in general. Metals super cycle is here. We're starting, we're starting, starting to be a super cycle um, from humble beginnings. Um, let's talk about you. Cause we, when we first started off, this whole DLA thing, it was, it was kind of like a black magic, black box or black arts. It basically misunderstood. You've had to go through a process of kind of proving out what it could do for you. And, and indeed some, for some people, what it even is. So, can you just talk, maybe take us back a bit and go, what, what were the kind of major moments along that process which you think kind of um, have worked for you? Yeah, I think a lot of the development in the early days across the board, not just us, but in other companies as well, focus on the development of the, the material, the chemical, the sorbent or, or medium that's, that's used to do the extraction. Um, and then focused after that in developing the processes around it, how you basically solid liquid separation, how you interact the brine with that chemical, the solid chemical, and how you separate the brine from it again. And, you know, that development, a lot of it is well-known technology in the ion exchange, solid liquid separation world, uh, but needed to be applied directly to lithium. We needed to find a material that was selective only for lithium and then develop that and perfect it. And so that's a lot of the companies, including us, have been working on that since probably around 2016, 2017, a lot of the companies started. Um, but now, as you say, the black box is open. I think it's pretty clear what's being developed. Um, it's a lot less, uh, you know, people are still running around with proprietary technologies, but I think it's a lot less secretive. We basically all sort of narrowed down on two different chemistries. Um, and with those uh, two different what process for each of them that seem to be working. And the whole industry, a lot of it independent of each other has come into the same flow sheet. Right. Um, and I think that's an important factor in this. And, and in the last couple of years, you've really seen the companies refine that flow sheet down. And now if you look across the board, um, the companies using the aluminum based systems all use a very similar process. The companies using the manganese based systems all use a very similar system. Yeah. And, and then the downstream from that, again, being refined uh, by those big equipment manufacturers um, tailored now to the feedstock that's generated from the DLE, which is high pure lithium chloride or lithium sulfate, uh, can be processed uh, into a lithium product. And that's not new, but now that you're seeing these companies specifically tailor their process for that feedstock. So the whole thing is, has really come to the commercial head. Well, I think there's a lot of, new lithium companies, Brian companies, hoping that there's something they can either license into or, or purchase off the shelf, quite frankly. So exactly. We, we, we can come back to that. Um, they might be a bit late to the party at that point, but who, who knows? Um, for you, this, this, this is Orbit. You are 
what were the what were the actual challenges? Because you talk about in some of your literature about well, it's spending sort of less time on the sorbent, so therefore that's good news, presumably in terms of energy saving. In terms of what what are the other kind of benefits you're looking to achieve? Well, I think the big criteria we align this in an announcement back in June, sort of what our, our key performance indicators were mm. uh, against that Zorbin and, and the process. And it really is the two combined. Mm. You know, one is the selectivity. So how much lithium do you get out versus everything else? And so you, we, we measure that in the purity of the concentrate coming out. Right. So we said, well, we want to see better than 80% pure. And you're hitting 80 at the moment, aren't you? And we are, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. And we want to see something that takes it from 75 milligrams to a liter to you know, uh, we said above 600, we've announced it, we've gotten above 900. So we're seeing really good performance there. Obviously at the end of the day, recovery is king because every bit of lithium you can get out uh, per unit of volume you produce obviously makes more money. Um, so your overall economics are supported by that. So it's really, and then the other one, and it's not the one that people generally talk about, but it's actually the lever that you're adjusting with DLE is the flow rate. If you can flow faster, across the medium, and this is what you're talking about, the, the, the rate at which you can take the lithium out is the flow rate of the brine across it. And if you can increase that flow rate of brine, your equipment is smaller because you don't need to hold the brine as long on an individual brine basis. And that, and that is incredibly important because it comes down directly to your bottom line, your capital and operating cost, if you can make your system smaller. And so we also have a metric for that that we've outlined. We want to be greater than a ratio of three. Right. And we've explained what that is and we'll, we'll continue to explain how that is calculated and as we release the, the final results, which are coming here shortly, I'll show outline the details of all of this work that we've done. Right, you just put out some some early data with regards to the, the pilot plant, because I, I get what you're saying, right? You've got to prove not just the technology works, but in terms of getting that efficacy, you know, in increase, refining and tweaking, it's, 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 it's engineering 101, right? So you, you're gonna have to um, show that you can achieve this at scale. So pilot plant is, well, the first thing you got to get right. Yeah. So when you put out some numbers recently on that, just give us the sort of top line numbers there so we can sort of get into the conversation. Yeah, so we said that we were able to achieve, and we they are preliminary, so we will have the final results out here shortly. Um, but we, were, we basically outlined that we were able to get above 80% purity. Uh, we're, we were able to get over 900 milligrams per liter in the concentrate, mm -hmm. um, and that our recovery is greater than 94%. Right. And so those are well above what we outlined is sort of the base minimum that we needed to see out of this. And we didn't need to necessarily see all of them hit, hit the base minimum. We want to see at least some of them get above the base. Now we're seeing all of them exceed what, what our expectations are. So we're seeing very strong performance right. out of the pilot. So those numbers are quite attractive because I think one of the early, early criticisms of you guys was, oh, it's very fairly low grade yeah. stuff. So now with, you know, obviously you've just explained what, what, you, what you're doing in terms of um, being able to you know, flow more across across the absorbent. That'll really, really help. And the fact that you've got this kind of modular system going on. So this really is a kind of literally kind of cookie cutter, cutter approach to building up that scale overnight. So what exactly is the, is the, has the pilot plant used as the, the model? And you know, how do you replicate that at scale? Yeah, so the the design of a commercial system is highly dependent on the performance of the pilot, you're, the pilot's really designed just to collect data. Mm -hmm. um, the results that we're getting in the field are not that dissimilar. Um, we're getting better performance because we've been able to optimize in the field with all of the testing that we've done because we're flowing in real world environment and flowing high rates. We're able to, to tailor the system a bit better, having access to lots and lots of brine um, versus a lab environment where you're limited. Um, so we've been able to, to get that performance higher, mm -hmm. but it, 
but the results are not that unexpected uh, from our perspective uh, because we've been looking at this for a long enough time that we understand it. Um, and so bringing that to a commercial design is you take those results and this, especially ion exchange absorption technologies, they scale very nicely. Mm -hmm. There's a certain general uh, size of what you call column or vessel that is industry standard. And the math that you use to calculate your pilot size of that vessel to your commercial size of that ves vessel is well understood from years and years of ion exchange development. So not in lithium necessarily, but in you know a water software ion exchange, you use water softening for all sorts of different applications across the world to treat water. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're just applying that now to treat water for lithium. And so you're able to scale up very comfortably with, with low risk. And I think that's really what this is because the end of the pilot will enable us with, with the partners that we're working with to design a commercial facility uh, for our plant. So while we may pilot again next year, that will not be for the purpose of designing the plant. That will be for more, um, you know, our partners, our, our, um, okay. our offtake, our right. um, project finance, that sort of stuff for validity, but not necessarily uh, for the design. So, um, so validity for being able to kind of create concentrate for their specifications, what was it for validity? Well, I think when you look at some of our plans into 2024, one of the things we're looking at is, uh, is there a necessity for us to build it, uh, the full process? Right. And we haven't made that determination yet of whether or not we're going to do that, but we are looking at it very carefully um, because it, it makes sense to be able to produce a lithium product, a hydroxide, we're aiming for hydroxide, yeah. um, on site, show people how to do it. You know, um, Lithium Americas did this okay. in, in the Thacker Pras project, you know, because they have just like us, somewhat of an unconventional process. So showing that they can go the whole way Right. Uh, is very meaningful. It, it's not, again, it doesn't help the design. The design's already done for the plant by this point in time, but it helps when you're talking to financiers or, or offtake potential partners or strategic partners, you can bring them into the facility, you can show them how the full process works. You can show them that here's the hydroxide we're producing every day from this plant. And and so I think for us, uh, that's the validity I'm talking about. That it, That's why you would pilot next year is to bring, bring that to uh, the market that needs to see it. So I'm, I want to mention that in this time, sort of the kind of return on capital invested, right? So you can go the whole way down a drug side, kind of capture more of that value downstream, but there's a kind of capex component to that. Because yeah. um, it's relatively simple. You're, it's a relatively simple process you've got in the, in the sense that, okay, you've got a, you've got a whole, it's quite deep holes. Yeah, they're two but, and a half kilometers. But then, but there are not too many of them, right? How many would we would we be talking about? We in the PEA that we announced, uh, we have sixty-eight holes right, okay. for production injection. Uh, it's likely going to be more than that, but we're also likely going to see uh, more because we're going to look at a higher capacity. So we're right. we're contemplating the PEA contemplated twenty thousand tons a year. Yeah. Uh, we're contemplating somewhere between twenty-five and thirty for the for the first. Part. Okay, so and how do you how do you kind of phase those? Because obviously, ten half kilometers is is a, is a chunk of equipment and time, money, and all that kind of good stuff. Do you kind of phase those over a period of time as you extract? Because I mean, how's how's it work? What's the arbitrage? Well, I think that the the really important thing to remember is that even the whole diameter, which means that the the drill steel we'll use, the drilling bits we'll use, the right. drill rigs we we'll use. Yeah are all burst standard equipment. Yeah. So you can you can literally go to the local um, drill yard and pull the equipment you need off the shelf. You're not gonna overpay, shelf. right, yeah. for sure. So there's lots of opportunity to find, to get pretty much every drill company in 
Western Canada that, that uh, operates to bid on the drill so you can get pretty solid rates um, to get all these holes. But, and it is a, it is a, a program you'd probably, you'd start the program with, with a series of rigs. You might have four to six rigs running, doing the holes and you just, and, and multiple holes will be from a single pad. Yeah. So you, cause we can newer, uh, uh, you know, the past 20 years we've, we've perfected directional drilling so you can drill directional holes and do a fan from the same pad. So your surface per- footprint is very minimal. But this this technology, this the drilling expertise, it is stock standard Alberta expertise. We're not going anywhere outside Alberta to get what we need. Right. So coming back to that kind of um, return of capital investment and how you kind of phase uh, that is it's, it's, it's a very difficult one because you've got to say, well, if you look at the well, certainly you were you were you were charged to kind of you know spy demand deficit going on. We want to be you know one of the first movers, yeah. you know, capture that that value, but at the same time. You don't necessarily want to front load a kind of capex uh, program into a market which isn't quite there yet. It's 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 growing. So again, what what are the kind of levers and the considerations there in terms of how much you deploy early on versus, I guess, a slightly more Australian model of let's build things slowly over time and yeah. for a less diluted environment. Yeah, and I think that really depends on your access to capital and well, the, not, co- the cost of capital and the and the cost of capital. Yeah. So is it uh, equity that you're issuing or is it debt? Um, are you supported by government uh, and, okay. and and strategic partners? And I think that when you look at the landscape today in the critical mineral sp- space, and especially lithium, it sits on the top of this, I think. Um, there's never been a time that I can find and I recall that there's a, this much access to capital because we need these critical minerals. Every I was From- at the... Are you talking with the data or the just, equity? Just across the board, across right. the board, but okay. more focusing on, in a sense, on project finance. So add the, okay, the okay. capital to build the plant, which is what you're asking about. Yeah. Um, you know, I was at the International Energy Agency's inaugural critical minerals forum a couple of weeks ago, invited by um, the Canadian government. And, you know, over 50 delegates were there from, from countries, um, ministers of in- energy, ministers of natural resources, minister of labor. From, from all of these countries, and they're all really saying the same thing. Yeah. We want to be able to control our critical mineral supply, but there's not enough of it. Yeah. And so when you have that big of an organization represented by that many countries, really in unison saying, you know, we really need to get these resources. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people look at it as, as like China is, you know, we're trying to get off of, of China, but it's not actually that. And I think that it's more of just looking at it from a, you know, China does have 80% of the production. And so that's a risk to any anybody. And so it's a, it's not so much about a China option, it's about having the ability to produce it yourself. Mm-hmm. So even France is talking about mining to get to get the resources they need. So wow. there there is a there's a definitive mentality shift yeah. uh, towards you know, and, and everyone's looking at sustainable best practice mining. That's where DLE really has a leg up on that. Yeah. Um, but everyone's looking at mining to uh, as a as a critical solution as part of the the transition to this through this electrical revolution that's happening. Mining production of minerals is absolutely critical to to transition to electrification. And so everyone understands that now, and there's there's support. So for in the the federal Canadian government, we got. There's federal. There's three billion in, in federal funding. There's thirty percent tax credit. Um, there's there's strategic partners coming in in big dollars. You've seen across the space um, multiple examples of right. of battery companies and OEMs 
coming in all the way to the mining stage uh, to invest, to get access to these critical minerals. Um, and then even the United States is funding Canadian projects through the Department of Defense Title III. So there's just, there's just this whole access to capital that's not normally available for a mining project. And so normally you would say, well, you would build it slow, you'd build it small, you'd find, you'd sell it, yep. that sort of thing. But there's, in, in a very rare time in history, there's the ability for a company like us to actually find the project finance and find it in a non-dilutive way. Right. And, and so I think from that perspective, it's what E3 is going, that's probably our big part of 2024 is, you know, we believe in developing strong relationships with our potential customers um, to find a mutually beneficial path forward. Um, us, what we're looking for is access to capital because it's our biggest constraint. We need to find the capital to build the plant. They need the supply. And I yeah. think that that's what you're seeing some of these deals really focused around is, so those are the two main components. How do we manage a structure of an offtake agreement that brings that together and is is structured so it's beneficial to both parties? And I think that that that's where the industry is going very collaborative approach. Mm -hmm. And those companies that are collaborative and are willing to be collaborative with the the downstream part of the industry, the battery and OEMs, are seeing strong success in, in getting access to that capital. Yeah, and I think we see, we've we've seen that in the rare earth space. Well, it's critical minerals you're talking about, but rare earth space. We saw that at a conference in uh, Barcelona in May. Not, it, essentially, a few things came out. There wasn't an anti-China rhetoric. It was a let's take control of our own destiny yeah. conversation, exactly. which exactly. was a much more positive yeah. uh, conversation to have. But they were all after one thing, the same thing, which is partners, strategic, yeah. government, whatever, on the money side of things. So, and again, this point I raised earlier is it's like it's the cost of that capital. If it's cheaper, we can go harder earlier. Yeah. If it's not, then obviously you know our shareholders might have, might have an issue short term. On that, so that's a that's a it's an interesting challenge. Yeah, and I think from our perspective right now is that there's a it's it is very easy, relatively, to build a gigafactory, to build a battery manufacturing facility. Yeah. relative to a mine, the time frames that are required to do the engineering, um, the risk to that capital is very low because you know when you turn it on, you're likely to um, make batteries that work, and maybe you have a high scrap rate at the beginning, but you're able to tune that, and you see all these battery companies reduce that scrap rate over time and become much more efficient. Um, whereas with the mining, there's all sorts of risk that's not yeah. there. There's there's the exploration risk, there's development risk, there's the geological risk, and then you still have to build a facility to produce it. And so it just takes longer. It takes more time to design, more time to engineer. You want to be more methodical with it yeah. because you need to reduce that risk more. There's more risk to reduce yeah. in a mining project than there is in a battery. So they're able to bring them on stream faster. So it, it makes sense why people are saying there's going to be a supply deficit because you can just build these factories faster with lower risk than you can a mine. Yeah. And so you need the materials to keep up, which from our perspective, uh, the world is going to be in short supply of some of the critical minerals, lithium being one. And so I think that's why you're seeing the capital come in because it's de-risking the bottleneck. Right. And, and, and the Canadian government, the federal government, the United States, um, the these... Uh, the industry writ large, you know, the, the battery yeah. OEM uh, industry, they're all in unison saying the same thing. We we need these minerals. We need yeah. to do them sustainably, and we need to support them. Right, and you're going to go, yeah, sure, no problem, but you got to support us financially, which is fine. The other the other thing um, I think is you're big, 
Right, you tell you're five times larger than the nearest nice competitor in North America, right? But we have five times more measured in resources than the entire rest of Canada combined. Which is nuts, right? Yeah. So scale-wise, you're yeah. super, super attractive. Yeah. Let's talk about timing of that because you kind of got to go through a couple more phases and kind of, you know, and in, into next year, I suspect you'll deliver on, on a lot of those things, which yeah. would be good news for you guys. Um, because we've seen OEMs kind of moving up upstream and maybe taking chunks of companies, 10% here, 15% there, battery manufacturers out of Korea, Japan, et cetera. Where do you think you need to get to to be able to kind of get? People like that, because they're strategic, they're off-take partners, it's a different type of money versus the government, which sometimes is a bit retrospective capital, strategic partners, which are just you know smart money or dumb money, depending on which way you look at it. Um, to which, Where do you think you need to get to as a company by the end of next year, say, to kind of maybe pull some of those guys and girls in? Yeah, I, I do think that timing is important. Uh, I think that those companies that can deliver uh, a reasonable amount of product in the next, say, three to four years okay. um, are going to be able to find that. Um, there is a time where that sort of, there, there's a, I think there's the concern of not having enough supply for batteries is there and it's real today. Yeah. At some point in the future, and I don't have a crystal ball of when that point is, but at some point in the future, everyone's going to feel like they have enough supply to get them through the next couple of years and that the supply is going to come on fast enough after that. There, there's a bit of more calm that will come into the industry. That's not there today, but I think it will come over time that the industry will calm down. I think for us, we see the opportunity though, because of the jurisdiction we're in, because we're in a democratic country that has democratic principles, we have good environmental controls on how we operate. Just inherent to DLE, we have env environmental best practice in just that system that we're able to attract um, interest in it. And but we, we still need to have a product at offer in a time frame. And I think for us, it, there's, it's all guns blazing to try to get uh, 2026, uh, you know, commissioning and operation by the end of 2026. Okay. And so, so that's the break to your team. So we got to yeah. aim for this day. We got to aim it's for this date yeah. driven. Yeah. And so we have, we have a 30 person team. We're working through the pre-feasibility study. Um, we'll have the internal results out completed by the end of the year. We'll have the published version out in, in early Q1. Right. And that's the catalyst to move this into really, like after pre-fees, you really start to to knuckle down and get the engineering done. Right. And, and move through fees, bankable feasibility into detailed engineering. And so we we will be expanding. Once we, once we see the pre-fees, we're happy with it. We're going to be expanding the team to manage feasibility, growing that into the operations team that will manage detailed design and construction. And again, like I can't overstate how important it is that we're in Alberta because we have that skill set to do develop this project in Calgary. We're not, no one has to move here, no one has to fly, fly out. Right. Everyone can, can get a job at E3 with the expertise we need and, and from the Calgary workforce, from the Alberta workforce, when you're looking at how we're going to operate. Hmm. Uh, we're 45 minutes north of Calgary where the pilot sits. Um, that's likely in that general area, uh, you know, north of Calgary, south of Red Deer, if you're familiar with the Alberta geography, is where the first plant will be, somewhere in that, in that location, which means all of those local uh, communities who, uh, you know, there's lots of operations folks that, that live there, drilling, all of those sorts of things live in that area as well. And so from an operations perspective, we have access to expertise. And I think that that really will be able to help us drive this project forward. We have a very supportive provincial government in terms of regulatory. They put the regulatory into the oil and gas regulator in Alberta. 
that has been a substantial. They've rewritten what they call the directive, which is our guidelines of how we apply for licenses and permits. Yeah. Um, they've been rewritten to include language for brine hosted minerals that right. comes with him. So all of the pieces are now there to go. Right. So we just need to get, and, and this is why like for us, this fall and, and specifically more so 2023 has been the big paradigm shift. And it's it's almost done. Like we're just finalizing the last pieces of the prefees right now. The pilot is successful. We'll have the result, the final results out here in the next little while. We're going to be talking about how we made lithium hydroxide a battery grade from our um, uh, our equipment manufacturer that is a commercial equipment manufacturer. And and so when all of these pieces were able to talk about more fulsomely in the market, uh, and then they all lead into the culmination of the pre-feasibility study, the paradigm shift is over. Now we're fully into, okay, we're going. This is becoming... Right. Yeah, that's what I'm getting from this conversation, that, that, that we, we have talks and use that phrase for a paradigm shift from the concept, the theory, through to actually we proved that. Yeah. Now we're proving it at scale and we're increasing the rates and of, of production and even through down to the concentrates. Brilliant. And, and I guess what you've got going, I know you've touched on it a few times, and maybe it's a conversation from another day in terms of the um, ESG element, in terms of you're, you're then sort of, it's, it's kind of like oil and gas, except they don't pump it back into the ground like like you're, you're going to. Um, so maybe that is a conversation for another day. Just fi finally, the PEA was done when? Three years ago. Right, okay. Very different environment. Yeah. Now, PA is kind of plus or minus 30%, I say that anyway. But obviously, a few things have happened since then. The PFS, do you think you're going to be able to manage people's expectations around the CapEx or OpEx component of that? And more importantly, I guess, get them focused on margin. Yeah, I think it's hard to talk about some of the, fi the finite details of that before it's published. But we do know that over the past three years, the inflation of capital equipment is something like 32 or 33%. Yep. And that's based on like the engineering societies who track that sort of stuff. So, you know, across the board, not just E3's project, everyone is suffering that inflationary sure. environment. So yes, the cost of capital has gone up, uh, but along with that, the the price of lithium has, even though today we're in a, in a deflationary lithium price environment, it's still very high. Mm. It's still a very solid price um, and there is, most uh, analysts are calling for uh, yet still a strong increase in price over the next two to three years as we get into basically what's happening is all of these battery companies, battery factories turn on. Mm. And so they start consuming lithium. And when that happens, the supply deficit hits pretty hard and the prices go up, just natural economics, right? Mm. So, um, so I think from that perspective, uh, the lithium price inflation is probably well overcompensating for the capital cost. But the, the the challenge with larger capital is that, you know, that number still has to be uh, found, financed, so you can build. So so it is, you know, the, the inflation will challenge the industry across the industry yeah. because things are just more expensive to build. But I think, it, again, it's there's a lot of offsetting to that that I think you don't normally see, like government supporting it, like industry supporting it, downstream industry supporting it. Well, and improving your own um, efficiency at doing it as well. You seem to be demonstrating quite nicely. Yep. Not too bad. And people should look at the IRR, look at the margins. And yeah. that's the important thing. That's and, the, and it'll all be out in, in Q1. So we'll have that. that Brilliant. Well, come and tell us all about it. Yeah, definitely. Good conversation. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah.